This week at the Garden Cinema, we discuss the film Pretty Red Dress, which is director Dion Edwards' debut. The screening on the 18th of June was followed by a Q&A with director Dion Edwards, her producer Georgia Goggin and the film's editor Andonis Stratos. The film sees Travis, who's just been released from prison and is readjusting to life on the outside. We also follow his girlfriend Candice, played by Alexandra Burke, who is currently auditioning to star in a musical about Tina Turner. When Travis buys Candice her dream dress for the audition, rather than smoothing over the family's problems, it ends up creating even more. Indeed, Travis is mesmerised by the dress. The film is about a lot more than the dress itself. It's about Travis, it's about Candice, and navigating her career as an actress, their relationship, their daughter Kanisha, and her own struggles at school and with her relationship with her mum and dad and her friends. It's also about music, about Tina Turner, and the spirit of the singer, and about colours and clothes. Dion explains how over the years, the development of the script led to those various strands being woven together to create a very nuanced, colourful and genuinely fun film to watch. You can still catch Pretty Red Dress, but if you were unlucky enough to miss the screening with a Q&A, join us on here to listen to our conversation with Dion, Georgia and Donis and our audience that night. Thank you so much, everyone. Welcome to the Garden Cinema. This was Pretty Red Dress, directed by Dion Edwards, who's here with us. Uh, hello, Dion. We've also got uh, producer Georgia and editor Andonis, so you'll have the chance to ask them some questions about their respective roles and the film in general. Um, I wanted to start by asking a few um, questions around the film, Dion. So my very first one, which is a bit of a... <laughs> unoriginal question but it was very much about the starting point of the film whether it was Travis's story the music Tina Turner in general just music in general um the location the dress the colors the sequins what what was what elements sparked the idea for the story to unfold it was Travis actually yeah um I was working in a cinema. I was ushering. I was on shift. Um, I've actually got one of my picture house friends in here. It's actually at the picture house, Ellie. So, um, yeah, I was on shift at the Hackney Picture House and I was ushering and I was just kind of in between shifts, just thinking. And um, the character came to me then. Um, and yeah, it started with him and I just got really excited about um, this idea of this this man, this black man who's been involved in gangs and that he was sort of grappling with a part of himself that no one really knew about. And I thought it was like a really interesting opportunity to have a kind of display of his exterior life and his interior life at home. And, you know, you get a li his life at home with his family and then his life when his family are not there. Um, so I got really excited about that. And then also like the form of a lot of black British hood films, like, t like well, Top Boy isn't a film as a series, but there's Top Boy and there's a film called Bullet Boy um, and there's Adulthood. And a lot of these films like kind of start out with this guy leaving prison and trying going back to his old life and worrying about getting pulled back in. And so that's where like the start of the film came because I thought it'd be really interesting if you like take a left turn, have him come out of prison, but you know, it's about something else. So I just got interested in those types of films and um, was just, I think, listening to a lot of music, developing his... Um, developing Candice and Kanisha and I don't really remember when the red dress came into it and when Tina Turner came into it but it was that was from Candice's story and I just yeah over time put it all together and 
here we are. But that was like 2014. So when I really, when I started, how, how come? Yeah. How did it take this long to <laughs> arrive oh, on our screen? What was Georgia? that process? Um, no, it was just a lot of um, me and Georgia have been working together for like over 10 years. And we we just start out usually with the projects just talking about ideas. Um, and this one just was an idea that we were speaking about for a while. Um, and then we out, that we went through the outlining stage and I usually do a few different outlines and a few different versions of the story. Um, and this initially was a three chapter story um, each from a different perspective from the, the three family members and yeah it just it just took a lot of time to develop and then by 2017 we had a first like draft where we were developing with BFI wasn't it mm. um, so it took yeah it took a while and, and it I, feels like the yeah. world's changed now and it's a completely different time so. well that, that's it yeah and I assume different strands of the story might have changed over time D the focus might have been placed on different parts of of the development of the characters or it's actually story. quite. So I was going to say yes. weirdly, no. Yes. Like, weird. The, I think the thing that's changed is the is there being plot. I mean, Dion is really anti-plot as a person. Um, so this has a lot of plot. It has, it's ended up it's being forced, really plotty. Into that. Yeah, but but Dion doesn't um, left to her own devices. Nothing would happen at all. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I think that's part of why the three chapter story was because you know Dion knew how to write. In a short film, you can, it really, and it actually normally is like it works really well to kind of explode something at the end of a short and you can sort of leave it, leave it there. And, you know, um, without giving anything away, our short We Love Moses sort of does that. There's this sort of explosion and then it just stops. So I think Dion felt quite comfortable doing that. And then actually the realisation that, you know, you're going to have to go further. You're going to have to say what happens after the thing um, was a hard development. But the characters and like what the film is about and what they're about didn't really change and wasn't really influenced by kind of the wider picture, even though, as we're probably all familiar with, I think the conversation around what we might broadly call queerness has changed so much since 2014, um, you know, to the point that it, that, that storylines like that are run, run of the mill in soaps. Mm -hmm. But we weren't trying to do something to address a social problem that we then needed to keep up with. Mm -hmm. Um, so we weren't paying attention. I mean, we didn't really talk about that at all, did we? Exactly, yeah. And so it was weird because when we were looking for actors and auditioning actors, some of them were asking, are you making this to try and, you know, basically jump on the bandwagon? And that was very strange because that's not yeah. what we were doing at all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. Well, I was going to say that's one thing I really, really liked about the film was that it didn't feel... Um, the dress felt instrumental in a way to the characters' complexity and relationships with each other. Uh, it wasn't about that in the end. It wasn't about the dress. It wasn't about a big coming out and a big sort of climax and, mm. and a gratifying ending where he gets accepted by the community and she gets the part. And, and I really, really appreciated that. It felt so nuanced and real. So I'm glad you kind of mentioned the development process and the idea that it wasn't plot centred. It was very much about the characters. Mm. Georgia, so you developed the film together mm. Mm. and then did you take it to the BFI? What was your, your, your role after the script was developed? Yeah, I mean, my I suppose my job um, overall as a producer, aside from the practical thing of, you know, just sort of generally making it happen, my job as a producer is um, the metaphor that we've kind of landed on is to kind of like test all of Dion's ideas to kind of 
um, and in the process of testing them to cause them to become the most concentrated version of themselves, like to kind of become like the diamond version rather than the, oh, science failing me, just generally carbon. Uh, <laughs> thanks. So just to sort of put them under pressure. So that's my job through the development process. And then so it's, it's my job. stress and me sort of moaning and <laughs> having mini arguments with Georgia because it, but it's, it pushes it's it It's essential, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, and then it's my job is to find the right partners for it. And, you know, if you are an, a new filmmaker, the BF, you can't get better than the BFI. Um, aside from the fact that, you know, their money is the best value in the business. Um, they are the experts in looking after new filmmakers, making sure that they, you know, are developing in the right way and, you know, working with the right people. And, you know, they just know everything and everyone. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, there was no question that we wanted to work with them. And then um, when it was sort of ready for production, we started talking to BBC and, you know, very luckily they they wanted to join in. And it's so easy to work with BBC and BFI because they work together all the time. So they just, um, they so, you know, they collaborate so easily. So as a producer, it's a very easy sort of dynamic to kind of come into. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that was my my role in development. Okay. And um, sorry, my questions have no particular order, um, but I really do want to ask them and then I will I will leave the audience to ask their specific questions. This might be more one for you maybe, Andonius. Um, or who decided to open the film with that particular dance sequence? The other thing I really, really loved about the film was the dance sequences. Um, so the choice of opening, what, who, who decided that? I mean, it's well, in the script. scripted, yeah. yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was scripted. But then um, we played with it out, didn't we? Yeah. For quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of, um, I mean, that was there, that was intended to be there. But I mean, like a lot of um, things that happen during the edit, you, you sort of, you have, um, once the film is down, and it was a long first cut, it was like nearly three hours or something, and um, you know it was a difficult experience watching it together for <laughs> the first time because also like you don't know each other you know we hadn't worked together before and you don't know like you think like does she think that I think this is <laughs> as good as it can be do you know what I mean so it's like um, it's a bit nerve-wracking but um, but then like once it's there you're kind of stress testing every every aspect of it and yeah, one of the yeah. oh, there you go um, and um, and that was definitely one of them was like okay well it works this this great contrast that comes at the at the start what happens if we don't have it ultimately you know it was better much better with it yeah it, it's quite ex an explosive opening sequence and it situates the film somewhere else i guess going just on the synopsis you'd think right this is going to be a gritty urban drama maybe and it opens up with this colorful bright very good dance and singing sequence um, and I feel it adds a slight surreal tone to it especially when she yeah. you know during the audition scene when you see how um, Cadiz projects herself on stage in the actual role so that yeah, was that was also you know, a like, conscious yeah, choice. I think what I wanted to do like we we always wanted this to be a kind of Georgia used the term grit and glamour and that's like yeah we wanted to we wanted it to to feel that it had those two tones like across it um, and that was to do with, I guess, the masculine, feminine, feminine, and all these different aspects of it. And I just thought, you know, we we did look at it slightly as a musical in a way, even though it isn't. No one's breaking out in song. We wanted to say right from the from like from the start, like you're watching a film that's going to be, you know, um, heightened in those areas. And like, it's just like a good thing to do at the beginning. It sort of hopefully lets you know what you're watching. But it's also really nice then when you like cut into the cinema, um, not cinema, sorry, the prison. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, it's like this big co- contrast because you've got this like glamour, this kind of showgirl experience, and um, and then yeah, you're in a in a prison with Travis, and it's sort of yeah, a contrast in a way. The cut where we took it out entirely and we just started on the prison, it just never worked because, and I think this is why the you know the success of the writing was like you could never like the film started on such a downbeat of him kind of sloping out of prison and then you know they have a fight in the car you know and like just like it just didn't in the script sorry the cut that didn't make the film but like the ultimate cut but it just was so low so that by the time you suddenly go into this other world with the Mm -hmm. sparkling dress and stuff you're just like what the hell and it feels like a completely different movie and you just you just don't you don't buy it whereas what the opening sequence does is tells you the space that you're in without giving anything away you're just like there's something odd about you know there's something different here and i think that was that was why it was essential um but yeah it was a we had to go with the execs and try it off also because when you're running long you're just like oh there's three minutes just bang that right out you know <laughs> it's set in south norwood which we <laughs> figured out yes. we were trying to as I, I i was saying earlier my colleague and i were watching it trying to guess which part of south london it was um why south norwood yeah it's funny someone today watched it and said how did you make london look like la um which i thought was quite funny um i don't know where that was coming from but yeah i um i love norwood i yeah i've kind of visited there a lot um right now i've lived mostly um in hackney but uh sort of live in Morf around the Morf area now um but i love all of that side i think mainly because of the green um and i was saying that it's really interesting with I guess like a lot of black British films or a lot of working class British films, like the the tower block, the you know, the, the council estate that's mm. the tower block is like the central image. Um, and yet I think London is full of these really beautiful um, kind of low rise red brick estates with these, you just, yeah, designed beautifully with a lot of green and there's a lot of it in Brixton and, and Streatham and all those areas. And I just really wanted to represent that. And it felt really right for the type of film that this was where colour was really important. Um, and yeah, it's just somewhere that, you know, I felt you know would look great on film. Um, I thought I'd yeah. hear that about South Norwood. There we go. <laughs> um, and peddling back to the singing and uh, how did the choice of of using Tina Turner's songs uh, in parallel to casting Alexandra Burke, I guess, come into it? How was how did that process happen? Mm. Um, yeah, it's the Tina thing. Yeah, it just came out of developing the Candice character. I don't really remember how, like it just sort of happened and it combined with the red dress. Don't know how the red dress came into it, which one was first, but the red dress was influenced. The design of it was influenced by Tina Turner's, you know, dresses of the sixties and seventies and the cut and the style and the beading. Um, But Tina Turner was just like this perfect icon for it because, you know, not only is she like an incredible fashion icon, but she's one of the best performers to have ever done it. And, you know, you were saying today, like just the way she got on stage and presented herself obviously in a very feminine way and there was an elegance to her, but also she was unafraid to like, you know, <laughs> screw her face up and, you know, be really wild on stage and just display this amazing like sexuality. And it was just this, I, I don't know, we just felt like it was like perfect for the film and what the red dress symbolizes, which is, you know, kind of exploring all of these things. Um, and then Alexandra Burke, George is a big Strictly fan and she brought the Strictly in this. Um, Johannes Radebay is our movement director, choreographer. And you suggested Alexandra first, didn't you? Yeah, um, I did. I saw her. She. I don't know if, if there's any Strictly fans in the room, but a few years ago she was on it and she did a jive to Proud Mary. And she was so amazing. It was just like, 
she just was so it was beyond the dance like she, obviously she can dance but like it was beyond the dance she just totally embodied it was like watching Tina do a jive mm-hmm. and I just immediately text Eon and was just like go with me on this it's a bit random but we do know she's a she's a West End actor so she can act and, she's, yeah, exactly. and my goodness me can she do yeah. Tina so shall we just see but at the time um all the theatres were obviously open and she was very busy um, on West End shows but then when we were casting for the second time having been shut down by Covid then suddenly all the mm. theatres were closed which was the only reason we could see Nacy and the only reason we could see Alex was because they are theatre actors who weren't working because of the pandemic so wow. suddenly the pool of people that we could meet were completely different and Alex was free to come in and yeah oh, that's so that interesting yeah and how about Nacy where did you find him did, did he come to you oh with, with extreme difficulty right we honestly there was points where we were like we'll just have to wait until someone ages into the role like <laughs> we've met every young wow. man in london you know i've said before that it would start to feel like jury service you know you could just be called up to audition for pretty red dress um because like so many young men really understandably because that's why the you know that's why the movie's been made but like didn't want to want to play the role right and um, we would have guys who would come in and do one audition where they were like travis in trousers Um, And then they would have to come back for a second audition in the dress and they didn't want to do that. Or they would come in and do the dress and then say they didn't want to. And it was just getting heartbreaking for us because there were, you know, there were a lot, you know, this pool of actors is incredibly talented. You know, there's not, it's not for lack of talent, but it like, it just was really hard to find him. Um, And then we did find him and then there was COVID and then he, that guy had a TV commitment. Um, And so we had to find him again. And I was just like, this is terrible. Um, But then, then Nate came. But we didn't confirm him until a week before pre-production. Wow, that's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> we're starting to think maybe this actually isn't going to happen. Yes, oh, we'll make it without scary. Travis. Um, I was interested to know how you worked with Nati, actually, because there's something so natural and casual in the way he wears the dress. It's not at all performative. He doesn't sort of wear it... I can't think of a better way to phrase this, but in drag, he just yes. wears it as he, yes. as he would a t-shirt. So yeah. how did you choreograph this, I guess? Or how did you direct him? So, yeah, I mean, me and Nate, spoke a lot about sort of movement and the physicality of the character um, out of the dress, just the way he carries himself, the way he holds himself, the way he limps. And we wanted there to be a journey. And I don't know if you notice it, the way he's walking at the start of the film and the way he holds himself and his shoulders and by the end, the way he's carrying himself. Um, That was all spoken about and planned out. And so we, we, yeah, we were really working on the physicality. And then um, Johannes, our movement director, worked with him a lot just in heels, like Mm -hmm. getting Nate to put heels on. And he, he wears heels better than... Everyone doesn't he? Um, but yeah, we we Johannes really helped there in getting them comfortable mm. in the dress um, and just just forming all these different movements. Um, and then with the intimacy scenes, there was a kind of choreography there as well. We had a, a intimacy coordinator right. working with us. So, like movement and yeah, the way one moves their body, whether it's it's sort of in the masculine way, the feminine way, and all everything in between was like really planned out and thought out. Thank you very much. Very Hopefully, good to that's know. nice that it comes off as really it natural. It does. It does. He, yeah. he carries he goes it off so elegantly with all the research and the thinking yeah. with everything. So. Yeah. I think it's really smart in his performance that all the stuff that he does in his like early part of the film in his masculine mm-hmm. looks way more put on yeah, 
That's then the dress then the dress you can tell he's trying like nobody walks like you haven't been in an accident he's doing it um and then yeah and then obviously when he's in private he's not thank you very much i want to i want to let people have their say i know a good few of you have questions brewing i guess the first thing i want to say is you don't have to worry about what we're, what i'm going to say outside here it's going to be awesome that was absolutely <laughs> thank you. brilliant um as a queer woman, I'm just really interested in how you stopped the two-dimensionality that quite often comes across with queer characters who are kind of almost ciphers for messages rather than mm. proper human beings, whether it's Nisha or Travis. How do you get to the, the three-dimensionality of your, your queer characters? Um, oh, it's really hard to say. That's a tough one. How did I do that? So I think I just try and be as truthful as I can when I'm writing I feel like there's almost like um there's a process of like improvisation going on when I'm writing scenes and when I'm writing the character and I really spend a lot of time on character and for me like yeah it's because a lot of people have been asking me like about I guess like if if there was if I was trying to say something with it if I wanted to I guess put an agenda out there I'll get everyone to you know sympathize or relate and I really didn't I was just really interested in the characters who they were and it felt like when I was writing it there was like yeah like an improvisation of sorts going on it was felt like they were coming through me so I guess the way I did that was just trying not to think about it and trying to let them and the truth of them come out and I don't know it's 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 always hard to explain I guess like there's things where I'm borrowing from like real life and people that I know um and then just sort of yeah reaching far down to try and figure out what they're saying but it's it's a hard one yeah but it's a comp thank you for that it's a compliment <laughs> thank you do we have any other questions so um Kanisha as a character I think is really really brilliant well done I, I think that I mean such a bridge for everybody and um, I just wondered how that character evolved because I sort of like, maybe that wasn't sort of I mean, you've already said a little bit about the evolution of the film and the writing but I wondered at sort of how that character came into being and at what point mm. and what draft or not exactly but you know where where did that character kind of come into play? When I was, well, early on, you know, she's pretty much who she was from the start. Like when I was developing the family and when I came up with her, there was a point when I was writing this that I thought about whether it was going to be a son or a daughter, because obviously it's interesting if, you know, if that was a boy, but I just thought, I always thought a daughter made more sense. And, you know, I guess like there's, a masculine presence there in the house with him um she's really masculinity is really important to her and her dad is really important to her he's the one who she really connects with um i think what's difficult about it for him is that she connects with the side of himself that i guess he's a bit ashamed of the the side that i'm you know has been involved in crime and stuff and has this reputation the performative side of himself um and so he's really uncomfortable with that and I guess she starts to learn actually my dad's putting on a performance and this is you know she has to question that for herself by the end there was a lot more Kanisha in it wasn't there um and that was one of the things we were speaking about it was like quite heartbreaking when we had this like three hour long film we had to work out how we're going to balance this and we had to remove layers of her story which was like upsetting for me because yeah she was she was really I felt like you know she was like the easiest one for me to write in many ways and she, I really pulled her from me and it was like quite sad to get rid of that um I think we were trying to um like you know like we were saying we had to we had to decide you know with a fit with when the film's that long 
it's kind of um, how how can each character kind of inform the story of the of the others without having like other other things that are just kind of consolidating what we, what we already know and what if we what if we put you know we we tried a lot of stuff like what if we pull this out um, do we then pick up are we does it make you kind of lean into the next scene where because for example there was a scene uh, quite a long dialogue scene where um, Travis and Candice um, after he's she's picked him up from prison they um they're driving we, we learn a lot about her situation auditions and and it was really nice and on the page like it makes makes a lot of sense but once you know the transition onto the screen it's, it's like okay if that isn't there the next scene in the flat when they come home mm. you you're you're trying to read a lot more into their relationship and trying to figure things out and it's the same with um you know they talk a lot about kanisha how things are difficult at school and and whatever but um without that suddenly the scene where they're in the kitchen and you know it's the first time Travis and Kanisha really really talking to each other you're kind of you're trying to figure out what the dynamic is and um so I think it's like it, a lot of it was was just trying to keep a sort of through line of um where each of them are emotionally and how can that um sustain and weave together and where are places that we think well, we kind of know, we kind of know this, like there, there were a couple of, uh, I mean, we were talking earlier, there were a couple of like um, montage like moments that kind of consolidated where we were, but didn't really push us, yeah, push us forward. So I don't know about discoveries, but I mean, discoveries, it's just that, that how how good the performances were really, and how many options and like, I mean, the scene where um, Candice discovers him in the dress, like usually like a, a scene like that is, because it's such a like roller coaster, and there's, you know, they shoot it all day there's so many options really and it can be like yeah just really tricky to work out but I mean we had such a good time like cutting that and trying to plot the you know the um the journey of of everyone who like whose perspective really like clearly it's you know it's Travis's seeing this big revelation but at the same time like what are Candice's emotions like you know the journey she's going on Kanisha getting involved in that and I think that was just um the like the joy of it all is like where are they all you know and where should they be and where you know where do we want the audience to be with them and and that's what we spend our time doing really isn't it thank you and also thank you for um asking a question about Kanisha's character um I did think someone would ask that was one of the questions I had but I thought someone will probably uh, mention the the daughter and the role of the daughter in the in the relationship dynamics between all the characters thank you very much Uh, do we have any other questions in the audience one at the back there i just wanted to ask about candice's decisions in that sense and basically her like um repeated references of like how much i've given up for you in that sense because Mm. it was that a, a decision to kind of make travis look less of an off-key parent in that sense because at times you can kind of like sympathize with her but at times she comes across as like really cold Mm. so a review said the same thing i'm curious to see what you yeah i don't know if i fully understood so what was the first part of it sorry can i attempt to translate do you mean that by making candice at times less likable we're doing it on purpose in order to make to make Travis's indiscretions and failures yeah. as a parent seem less yeah, bad. Yeah, and also, like, right. she comments a lot about how much I've given up for you, like, I wish, you know, almost seems like she never wanted to be a mother in that sense. Yeah, I don't know if it was that calculated if I was trying to do that. Um, 
I definitely like developed a backstory for them. And um, one of the things was that they had Kanisha when they were very young and Candice was, and uh, she was obviously, she was aspiring to do, do what she is trying to do, what you see in the film. Um, and she had big dreams and they kind of had dreams together because he was a rapper as well and they were going to do stuff together. Um, and that she feels, although she, you know, cause she does really love her daughter and she, she feels like she's trying to connect with her so much and she just doesn't want to, she kind of rejects that. So I think that's a bit sore for her, but also the fact that she feels that like she's been held back a little bit, but then she's also grappling with the fact that she loves them both and loves him as well. And it's a, that was just all I was thinking about. I was just trying to think about how that all meshes together. But I wasn't necessarily thinking about, if I'm understanding correctly, that that was a way to make Travis seem more sympathetic. If that was, was yeah, that that's the... the way I interpreted the question, but yeah. I don't think so. I just think it was that there was something going on where he and Kanisha like understood each other. Um, even though I guess his situation is different to Kanisha's, there was just something there where they had an understanding. Um, and maybe sometimes Candice like felt a little bit shut, shut out and... Um, you know, she really wants to connect. She almost feels like she wished that her daughter could be her best friend and they could, yeah. you know, dress up together. And she, she just, I guess she's just trying to understand and she doesn't. And it's probably, yeah, she probably yeah. just thinks, why does she? Because we had a lot yeah. of conversations about that. But I think, I think um, there's kind of two parts. I think one is that um, both Candice and Travis, part of their story is about taking responsibility and grow and growing up in that way. And I think she spends a lot of time in the film and in you know in her relationship with her career and her talent trying to identify why it hasn't gone the way she's wanted it to go and she you know puts that on Kanisha and you know puts it to an extent on these you know people who audition her and see her several times and then tell her no and you know all of this process but by the end she's kind of made the decision no you know this is actually about me I'm a grown woman let me make the decision to do with my talent what I can do, which is being a great kind of pub band. And that's her story. But I think with Kanisha and sort of to your point about, um, about you know, Kanisha's role in the story, I think Kanisha is um, much in the same way that Travis and Candice, what they are, what their essential argument is about is about over the territory of masculinity and femininity and who occupies what territory and how much of it they each get. And that if Travis is taking a territory of wearing a dress, where does that, what, territory does that leave Candice Kanisha is a physical representation of that and Kanisha like is leaning towards her father and his masculinity and Candice wants a piece of Kanisha she wants her to be feminine you know and it's really painful to her that she keeps losing this piece of territory and a part of her story is like making peace with Kanisha as not being something that she can scrap over you know and that accepting Kanisha as who who she is and and, and Travis has to do closer, this and come, clo yeah, the way, and come closer yeah it's kind of accepting Kanisha for who she is Kanisha having to accept her mum for who she is all three of them you know doing that thing and it it brings them closer so I guess there was a that was something that I was trying to do um thank you very much two more questions get in there quick yeah I really like the film thank you um, the police came across as very um, aggressive and unreasonable. Is that was that a plot device or was it based on personal experience? <laughs> That's a banger of a Sorry, question. This is a um, real edit. We, we, like, yeah, we have no, we went, we have no oh, conversation about this earlier. Not, not between us, between us and the police. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, because they can be. And, 
yeah there was this we talked about this like uh this this kind of background presence that they would have in the sound design mm. in the atmos mm. um they were supposed to be, there was supposed to be more of a police presence on the estate like and something got cut out didn't it the boys and yeah you were supposed to get a sense there were more police around the estate and that was just sort of based on sort of some some of the things that i've seen with um certain estates um and even that night, I think you're supposed to sense that they were that they were around that night. Um, but I think it's just because you were asking that you were saying they were so aggressive when they knock on the door and everything. I think it was just because Candice was just flying off and perhaps they were just trying to bring it down and because she was going up and up and up, they were almost, you know, trying to tame it somehow. It wasn't necessarily like trying to make a statement about the police. It was just trying to, um, we were trying to think about how far it was going with the characters. The police were just sort of an afterthought. Um, Candice was just bringing it up and up and up until, you know, you realise that yeah an explosion is happening and this is how far it's going and she gets arrested because she actually does hit hit an officer so they you know um that was just something that we found out they would have to make an arrest are you a police officer is that way okay <laughs> yeah a few yeah i thought you were like this is not you know it's not realistic here thank you so much do we have one final question i just want to say obviously i imagine since like this film r.i.p tony turner in, in body how do you all feel in terms of like the the just I don't know the film and obviously the representation I don't mean like it's just all quite timely isn't it in the end sort of thing just how it's all come together and I just wondered if you had any reflections about that yeah I mean it was um it was very sad um it was sad in that you know we went through I mean maybe you can tell the story about like it was a, it was a it was difficult to get the rights um and we managed to convince them and Tina Turner was very kind in that sense and we I think I always thought that she was going to watch it even though I just think she probably wouldn't or she might be like what what is this um <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah I always thought that she was going to watch it and I was excited by that idea and it was just you know it was, it was very sad um without Tina Turner I guess this film just yeah. doesn't exist there's just no even if you know when we were having trouble getting some of the music yeah no without tina this script doesn't work like no no it not in any way like she because uh, her spirit yeah, yeah spirit and the energy. and the fact that like her spirit and what she represents in the way that well you described earlier that um like performance her performance and that the script kind of revolves around her as well as the her musical life and tone and um so without her blessing it would be nothing so i mean it's a it's a huge honor to have been like some might like minor 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 part of her life you know there was a moment when an email crossed her desk that had something to do with this and initially she said no and then later on she said yes i mean i can't i can't but yeah who knows if it was an email i imagine somebody reads these things aloud to her i have no idea the fact that that is the case is wild and such an honor she gave us the nod and whatever form that took and yeah that's a huge honor she's a big influence on Dion and I and our childhoods and yeah and yeah you did we did, Georgia tried to su suggest Diana Ross I did not try to suggest it Dion I ruled out by myself okay but we yeah it just wasn't gonna Jeepers. no that after the initial no the woman the, the person who you know gives this news told me no and um and uh and so then I was on the train in Farringdon and there was like a few minutes where I was like oh maybe we could do it and I was thinking of other you know yeah. icon women and, you know, Di I love Diana Ross, but yeah, no, just... who doesn't love Diana Ross? Yeah. No, great. No, there's no insult to Diana Ross, but it's a completely different, different presentation. Thing. Yeah, Diana so Ross, I just was yeah. like, no, Diana, I'm sorry. Um, 
and then and then went back around to Tina. That's a wonderful sentence to end this on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great question. Thank you everyone for taking part. Um, if you want to re-listen to any of this or want to share it with your friends, it will be on the Garden Cinema podcast page, which is on our main website, uh, along with other Q&As with other directors who have graced us with their presence here at the Garden Cinema. Thank you so much to our guests. Uh, thank you so much for taking part and coming here with us. us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.